On today's show, we talk about why creating your own podcast will help you dominate your local market. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM, so once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with top producer and podcast host, Aaron Maslianski. Before we get to Aaron, just a couple of quick reminders. Please tell a friend about this show. This is how we grow and reach more audience members. And we'd love it if you told every realtor you knew about this this podcast and this episode. Send them a link over to our website, keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode we've ever done can be streamed right from that website. You don't even need a podcast app. And also, please leave us a review. That really helps us understand what we do well on the show and how we can improve. So wherever you're listening to this show, um, whether it's on Apple uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts now or Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, wherever, let us know what you think of the show. It really helps us. But enough about that. Let's get on to the main event, my interview with Aaron Maslianski. Podcast host Aaron Maslienski with Dreamtown Realty in here in Chicago. Let me tell you more about Aaron. Now, for the last 11 years, Aaron has immersed himself in the world of residential real estate with a specific emphasis on his community, which is Skokie and Evanston. And for those of you that aren't uh, from Chicago, those are the really the two of the closest suburbs to the city. So there, you know, a lot of times people just consider them extensions of the city. Um, but he doesn't just work there. Of course, he works in, in all the surrounding Chicago areas. But after earning undergraduate and graduate degrees in urban planning, uh, Maslansky cultivated his interest in property development, working for a developer for many years. And now he works as a realtor with Dreamtown Realty. He's also established global real estate networks, and he is proud to be the current chairman of the Global Real Estate Council 
for the Chicago Association of Realtors. Now, to connect with his global and local communities, Aaron has established two podcasts. One's titled The Real Estate Diplomat, and the second one's called Inside the Skev, which was featured in the Chicago Tribune and has over 100 recorded episodes. Now, if he's not keeping up with the market or global trends, Aaron can be found volunteering with the Chicago Council on Global Affairs, the Illinois Holocaust Museum and Education Center, and Rotary International. He also enjoys spending time with his wife and college sweetheart, Stacy, and their two children, Joey and Sophia. Um, please, everyone, check out Aaron's website, which is AaronMazlianski.com. Um, and I will, instead of spelling that out, I will actually, if you go to the show notes, I will uh, have a link right there. You can go right to his, his uh, learn about what he does in his two podcasts. Um, but Aaron, welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here. I, I appreciate it. Well, we, we, I was just telling Aaron that I actually um, had seen him in a, in a dinner that we had at the National Association of Realtor Conference this last fall, but it was a big room with lots of people. And it was my first time in, in that particular room for the Chicago Association of Realtors. But Aaron is uh, incredibly well-respected here in the Chicagoland area, not just for his acumen as, as an agent, but also a lot of the volunteer efforts you do. Um, and I before we sort of get started with everything else we want to talk about. Um, Aaron, I'd love to just hear about how you got into real estate and also why. Sure. Um, well, it, and by the way, I wish we would have met at that dinner because I am like enamored by you and your podcasts and uh, it, it would be cool to talk. So I'm glad we have this opportunity now, but I got into real estate, um, you know, basically when I was a kid, I was interested in the game SimCity. <laughs> and I would play and build these cities. And it was so much fun. And uh, when I went to college, I thought, well, I, I love aviation also. I was going to be a pilot. Wow. So I went down to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. I was in their aviation school. But like I had to pick another thing for my major because they didn't have a major yet. And I thought, urban planning, like SimCity, urban planning, so cool. So I started to do that. And I really just loved it. And another thing was, too. My grandfather and his brother, um, when they were working, were real estate developers. And so I, I kind of bounced a lot of ideas off of him, learned about it. And as I went through college, I um, interned for Village of Skokie and Village of Morton Grove in the summers. Uh, loved working in their planning departments, but I, I loved the ideas of the uh, what the people were doing who were bringing the plans, the developers. So I thought it'd be cool to get into real estate development or I was thinking global affairs, like two separate things as college went on. Anyway, I got a job with a real estate developer out of college by literally looking in the yellow pages. Uh, and I guess that shows my age a little bit, but I looked in the yellow pages, dressed up in a suit, walked around one day in Evanston and dropped off a resume at a real estate developer's office named Tom Rozak. And uh, he called me back and I got a job and that's how I got started in this industry. Wow. And then how did you make the move from working with a developer then to being an agent yourself? So I worked for him from 2004 to 2009 and kind of like learned everything about the business. He threw me at everything. It was the greatest learning experience in regards to real estate, in regards to business that I could ask for. Um, and, you know, the market turned and I had to look for something else to do. And at that time, um, I went and did... Uh, uh, business development. My brother owns First Class Moving and Storage. I worked there for uh, several years, but I really still wanted to get back into real estate. So I thought, okay, how, how do I do this? Um, I decided to get my license and I started as a part-time agent and I worked both jobs for a while. 
and and I will tell you, it is it is much easier to do real estate full time. <laughs> but I was just trying to do it, make some extra money, stay in the game, and then eventually I was able to transition to full time being a, a real estate broker, and it's it's been a great great move. Isn't it so interesting with part time agents? Um, and I understand the idea. You know, I talk to a lot of newly licensed agents, and you know, a lot of them are like, "Well, I can't." I don't feel like I can do this full time because, you know, I don't know what the future will hold. Right. But at the same time, it is kind of funny. So the irony is that doing it part time in some ways might even be harder, right? Like even though, you know, in theory, it's sort of logistically seems like that would make, you know, the sense to sort of transition slowly. But um, curious how you found, you know, part time versus full time. Well, you know, I had um, uh, a, a baby at when I first started a one-year-old and then we were expecting our second and my first year in the business, I, I lost money. My first client actually died during the transaction. It, he had oh, a heart no. attack. I mean, welcome to the business, right? <laughs> it, it was crazy. I was helping him find a rental and then, you know, just, uh, he, he passed yeah. away. He wasn't well. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, it, it could really put a dent on your psyche and I needed to make money. So it, it was hard because as I got, you know, established and, and got my name and marketed and did everything like I would, I was busier. I needed time to be able to go show properties, to, uh, to go to inspections, to network, to do all the right types of things that you need to do to be successful. But at the same time, I, I had to make a living. So it was very, very hard to make that leap. Also, working for family, I mean, you feel really guilty to leave. Um, so it took, sure. it took that, you know, just where I got so busy where I'm like, I got to make this move at some point. And it was just, it was a great feeling to be able to have that freedom to be able to, you know, kind of explore what you could do within the industry at that point. Well, I'd, I'd love to talk about your podcast because you're a two-time podcast host and not just um, about, you know, well, first, I'm curious why you decided to start uh, to, to start a podcast or, or now you have two, so. Well, you know, I, at first I was thinking, you know, you really, you search for original content to be able to put on social media. And I was putting things out, sharing different links to things and, and you don't really get engagement and it's not original. So I was thinking, how do I do this? And um, I went to a National Association of Realtors conference in 2017 in Chicago and uh, Monica Neubauer, who hosts the uh, National Association of Realtor Podcasts uh, Center for Realtor Development, she was uh, giving a seminar on how to create a podcast. So I went and I listened and I'm like, okay, I guess this is how I do it. And then a couple, a year later, I think it was, uh, I was, I meet with a coach, uh, Sean Proust. She's, uh, she's a great business coach, life coach. And she said to me, cause she saw this video that uh, was produced for, for my business. She said, Aaron, you've got a great, uh, Acme for, for media. She said, you got to figure out how to utilize this. So I started doing Facebook lives with uh, like ask me anything AMAs for real estate. And I'm like, you know what? I really should do the podcast. So I was talking with Sean and she's like, well, what would it take for you to do it? And I said, well, I guess I got to get a couple microphones and, you know, she's like, uh-huh. And what else? I'm like, yeah, it's really not that much <laughs> to do. So then I just started, uh, you know, figuring, okay, I'm going to do it. And then I brainstormed with, um, people at uh, Dreamtown, uh, 
this one person in particular, Stacy Smuller, she's in the marketing department. And we were working on the concept and I wanted to do a show that would feature my community, Skokie and Evanston. And I originally, what I wanted to do was just really feature my previous clients and help as a benefit to them to promote their business or promote their organization to say, thank you. And yep. then I'm, they're able to share it on their social media. And it's just a, it's an easy ask uh, for people and everyone feels good. It's just a, it's a nice way to network. May I, may I pause you for a second, just to make sure that our audience understands, because I think what you're saying is, is a huge, huge piece of advice and a really smart idea, which was, hey, I just, I'm working with, maybe I just help this person buy or sell a property, or I'm in the process of helping them buy or sell a property. They work somewhere, you know, somebody here in the family works, maybe they have their own business, or maybe they work for a business. And I would like to create a community-based podcast for residents of that community. And I want to highlight, you know, maybe their business or, or some story about them um, as a way to support the, you know, their, the community, I guess, in, in, at large. Is, Absolutely. That, is that accurate? Okay. That is completely accurate. And you know, for instance, like here's an example. One of the first people I had on the show was uh, a friend of mine. His name's Jacob Shapiro. Jacob bought a house with me. His whole family has been tremendous to me. They they refer me. They're they're just wonderful people. And Jacob owns a business called Vero Design Build, where he does. He's a general contractor. He does carpentry work. He does a lot of commercial work. I'm like, hey, come on in. And and he sat right next to me here, where I am in my house right now, and. Yeah, you know, we had uh, we had a drink. We talked. We did the. Uh, it was like the second or third episode, and it was a great way to promote him. And it was fun. And then everybody else who knows him got to hear it. So as I continued to do it, I people got to know the show, and I got to have a lot of the community leaders. I got and it gave people a reason to speak with me and it was easy for me to ask them. And then people started coming to me. So I've gotten yeah. to interview like the mayors of the towns, the heads of different businesses, the new things that are coming on. I mean, it's like, I'm in the know of everything and it's so cool. And, and what's so great too, I just want to make this point because um, it's an important one, especially if you're featuring somebody who has a small business in, in the area that, that your podcast is, is sort of featuring is that, you know, marketers are always calling those businesses saying, hey, spend money for advertising, you know, whether it's print media, digital media, you know, there's, there's costs, they, you know, there's salespeople trying to say, oh, you need to advertise. And basically what you're offering is free advertising for, for that business. Um, but what you're, and you're really providing value to the community too, because I'm sure, you know, your friend who, who you know, probably has a wonderful business and it's, it's great promotion, but it's, it's so... There's not probably, I'm guessing when you, when you have reached out to people, does any, you said it's an easy yes. Um, has anyone ever really turned you down uh, to be featured on your show? Yeah, I've been turned down, <laughs> you know, and, and I think sometimes people, uh, I don't know exactly what the reason is or, or whatnot, but it, it, I don't think it really necessarily has to do, do anything with me. It could just be something that's going on with them in the community or they don't, you know, they may be salty or whatever it is, um, yeah. but, or, or just anxiety around being on a show. Well, a hundred percent. I mean, you yeah. really get to know how people feel when they're being recorded because the minute you're done recording, the best conversation happens and I yeah. get to learn everything about what's happening. And, and I love that. Um, but I almost feel like it should just keep rolling, but, um, cause people are just at ease at that point. 
but it's generally speaking, people are happy to come on and it's, it's just been really fantastic. And you're obviously passionate about Evanston, Skokie, or, or the Skevinston area. Um, mm-hmm. It's where you live. It's it's what you know. You grew up there as well. And it's fun. I imagine it, it, it. you're doing a lot of good, right, by promoting these businesses. They're having, you know, getting some advertising. Um, and then I'm curious, not that you're doing it as a way to get more clients, but I'm curious if, if it's resulted in business coming your way, buyers and sellers who hear your show, maybe they're exposed to it through somebody you've interviewed. Curious how often that turns into a, a client. Well, I definitely have had some people who have reached out to me specifically because of the show, or I had them on and they, and they either worked with me or they referred a family member or friend to me to work. So that's happened several times. Um, and it's not like, you know, all of the business by any means it's, it's a, you know, some people, uh, but it, it happens. And then there's just the exposure itself where people, people see your name and it may not be because of the podcast originally that they're calling you, but they, oh yeah, I know you, you know, Skokie and Evanston so well. And yeah. I even have a billboard up right now that says you're realtor from Skevinston and it's on Green <laughs> Bay Road, awesome. Evanston. Yeah. It's, oh my God, it's crazy for, to see myself like that, but it's, you know, I, I really leaned in, <laughs> let's just say. Yeah. But it's, it's something that you're really passionate about. It's not a calculated sort of, this is going to get me a lot of business. I imagine, I mean, imagine it's just a lot of fun for you. It's a ton of fun. And, you know, it has, it has changed the perception that people have of who I am because I have, I have gotten to interview people that I never would have had the opportunity to speak to in a million years. Um, I'll give you some examples. So I, um, interviewed, uh, Alison Pierce Slovin. She's one of the village board members for the village of Skokie. It's like the city hall. And she is the Midwest region head of the Simon Wiesenthal center, which basically helps to combat uh, anti-Semitism and racism. And she was bringing in these people who were former neo-Nazis to come. And now they're, uh, uh, peace activists. They they've turned and she was bringing them into Chicago to uh, to speak and fundraisers and whatnot. And she said, hey, I need a location for um, for this event with TM Garrett, who's one of the, these people. And I said, well, why don't we do it at, you know, I, I was over at the Industrious Coworking Space in Evanston. I said, why don't we do it here? My wife had an office there. And we were able to, and we put on this event and then I interviewed him before everybody. So here I am having this live conversation in front of people to this former neo-Nazi and talking to him about his experience and never in a million years as a Jewish person, would I think I'm speaking to this person who basically started the KKK in Germany. And, you know, it was just unbelievable. And then other things where I've gotten to speak for organizations the JCC in Chicago, the Jewish Community Center, sure. they've had me uh, do probably upwards of 20 or so interviews for their film festival. I've spoken with, um, I mean, this one man I spoke to once, his name's Henry Panyon. He's a Grammy award-winning composer. He uh, produced this documentary about um, the about basically there's these things called the the violins of hope. They, it's these violins that were uh from Holocaust victims that were then restored and, and sent around the world. And he um, is in, uh, I'm in, um, in Alabama. I forget exactly the town right now. Um, anyway, 
he put on this whole concert with these violins and, and he's been involved with like civil rights movement. He's composed like over a hundred songs for Stevie wonder. And here I am having a conversation with him. I mean, just unbelievable. Like, so it's not even business. It's just like life opening. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, it is remarkable. You get to um, have a lot of these really interesting conversations with interesting people of, of substance. Um, That's, that's what I love doing. Uh, Having, I, I like that the most, the best part for me about the show is just me being able to talk to somebody at, at a hopefully a somewhat deeper level than than I would be if I were to meet them just at a cocktail party, maybe, and just have a more more of a superficial conversation. And, and you do get to meet some really interesting people and you're also serving the community. So there's, I'm sure, a sense of, you know, uh, accomplishment there and just sort of yeah. contributing to something bigger than yourself um, and just doing a lot of good and kind of a win-win all the way around. So win for the listeners who live in that area, um, a win for, of course, the guest who gets exposure and a win for you, because of course uh, you get some additional exposure as well. And just also you get to bring all this to life. Um, yeah. So must be. Uh, and, and so I, the reason we're talking about this, uh, aside from featuring, of course, uh, Aaron and all the cool things he does is, is this is a, an idea that Aaron had, he went to a you know, a, a, a conference uh, s- session uh, at, at NAR in 2017. Um, I, I still say NAR. I need to remember it's NAR. Um, <laughs> I, when I when I went to the NAR conference, I kept saying NAR and people were like, you really should say NAR. So a little pro tip for anyone. <laughs> um, but when you were there and you just walked, you know, went into a session and here you are now um, with this, you know, and you have two successful shows actually. Um, but we just, you know, I would just say to directly to our audience, anybody can do this. It doesn't mean you're going to be excellent at it, right? Not everyone's going to be good at it, but it's something that really anybody can do. Um, I'm curious, did you, when you first started your, your first podcast, did you set a, um, sort of a commitment to yourself? I know I did where I, my boss said, if you're going to do this, you got to commit to at least a year. Cause he goes, otherwise you're going to get three episodes in, no one's going to listen and you're going to be disappointed and not want to do it. So I'm curious if if you had any of those um, challenges because it I, we did not have a ton of listeners right away on our show. Yeah. Um, no, I I really didn't um, have any kind of commitment like that. It was kind of just open ended, and I uh, I really just enjoyed it. And just it what drove me is the the constant opening up of different opportunities that I never thought possible of who I get to speak to and and all these different types of things. So I just kept doing it. And then when the pandemic started, I thought, well, I got to shut stuff down. And then I discovered zoom like many others. And I was doing like three episodes a week. It was just insane. And then I went on to the radio. I got contacted by a radio station and I had it on the radio for about six months and then after about a hundred episodes, I'm like, I need a break. So I did put it on pause inside the skev was on pause for about a year and I just started it up again. Um, but yeah, it just, it just was fun. And, you know, another thing too, was I got to even speak with Monica Neubauer, who does the NAR podcast and went on her show to tell the story. And uh, at the NAR conference in San Diego, I got to sit down with her and uh, talk with her and thank her. So there's some just like really cool things that really just make you feel good about, you know, life and and kind of being able to be grateful to other people. And, you know, I I have no media training. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) And anyone can do this. I mean, everyone's got a podcast, I guess, but not everybody continues to do it. So I think the commitment and just 
the consistency is key. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it is, it is just like putting the blinders on and just like, it's, but there, I almost think of it as like exercise. It's just, mm -hmm. I just have to do it. I don't always want to do it, but I, of course, um, always am happy when it's, when I completed it, just like a workout, like I don't want to do pushups, <laughs> but it's a good idea. And, yeah. um, and also at the end of it, I always go, oh, that was fun. I was actually okay. And I, and it was a lot of fun. So we encourage our, our audience to, to do this. Aaron and I are not, you know, we're not communication majors. We didn't have uh, you know, radio shows in college. Although actually I wrote for a radio show now that I think about it, but I was not on air, uh, certainly not trained that way. And, um, and here both of us are, you know, hosting shows. I know. Um, so, so when I first, uh, was exposed to you was at this dinner in, um, in, in San Diego last fall. And, um, I, I, they were introducing you, uh, with this sort of global real estate focus. And I am like, I don't even really know what that means. So I would love for you to talk to our audience about, you know, global real estate and sort of your thoughts about it, what you do there and, and just anything you think our audience, which are essentially all realtors, um, <laughs> might want to know, or might want to learn about it. Well, I'll tell you how I got started in global real estate and then get to, to answer your question. So um, one of the things I'm really interested in is in global affairs. And I mentioned at the start of this conversation, when I was in college, I either wanted to go into urban planning and development or uh, international development and global affairs. My, my, my master's degree is actually focused on international development. And when I was in college, it was during the Iraq war. And I took this class in energy and security. And I was like, oh my God, this is so interesting. Like I'm going to move to DC and that's going to be my life. But I got this great opportunity and I went with it. So when I was able to go full-time into real estate, it kind of gave me flexibility to be able to do things that I never would have been able to do before. One of those was to go to an event from the Chicago Council on Global Affairs, which is a think tank in Chicago. Um, they have amazing speakers that come in all the time. And, uh, you know, it's kind of intimidating to go to this. I didn't know anybody, but I'm like, you know what? Like I finally have the time I knew about it for years. And I went and I actually heard Gary Kasparov speak for the first, oh, wow. my first event. And he was uh, talking Gary about Kasparov, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know is one of the all time great chess grandmasters. Yes. He's an all-time great chess grandmaster, and he is also a peace activist and vehemently anti-Putin. Um, and he was warning everybody about what can happen with Russia if, um, if Putin's not checked. And wow. basically everything that he predicted has come to pass. Um, but it, wow. it was amazing. I got to meet him. I took a picture with him. I, he, got, he signed my book and everything. I mean, I was just like starstruck. And I said, I got to keep coming to this stuff. So I started continually going to events there. And then they had an application for a young ambassador, a young professional ambassador program. I signed up, I got into it, which was blew my mind. And I got really involved in global affairs. And uh, they, when, when the council saw that I was doing this podcast, they, they invited me to interview one of their um, fellows, senior fellows at a fundraiser event on stage. And it was a great exposure. It was an amazing opportunity. And I met this person, his name's Mark Peterson. He's, uh, he was in charge of this organization called Intersect Illinois, which is uh, a state-led organization to help bring in foreign direct investment into the state of Illinois. He's like, Aaron, you should get involved in global real estate. I said, what's global real estate? What do you mean? 
because <laughs> just like what you're saying, DJ. Yeah. So he explained to me what it was, and he put me in touch with the person who was in charge of global real estate for Illinois Realtors and uh, somebody else who runs uh, IHC Global, which is Judith Hermanson. And that's an organization that is basically owned by NAR and they, they do research and different things on international development around the world. So I learned about these things. Uh, I was kind of directed to get involved and start to go to different events from the Global Real Estate Council at the Chicago Association of Realtors. Um, I then uh, joined them and started, I, I basically what it is, the idea of global real estate is that is helping bring buyers and sellers together from around the world. So let's say I have somebody who wants to buy something in say Costa Rica. Um, I can make the connection because you build your network uh, with other realtors around the world. There's a, a, a special designation that you can get called CIPS, which is the um, Certified International Property Specialist through NAR. Um, by the way, you could take the class at Chicago Association of Realtors in September. Um, shout out for Maurice Hampton, who will be speaking, uh, will be teaching it. Um, and uh, you you get connected to this network. You could be part of their Facebook group and everything, and you can make referrals. And then on the other side, it's people who are coming inbound to where you are. So people may say, well, I've never done a global real estate sale. And I'll ask you, have you ever worked with somebody who was born outside the United States and bought real estate with you? Well, that's a global real estate deal. So I certainly have done a lot of that in Chicago since it's such a global city. And I think it just, it also teaches you about how to uh, work with different people's backgrounds, expectations, um, culture. It, it makes you a more well-rounded person. I think it's really important in any day and age, but just in terms of understanding diversity and it just makes you a more well-rounded person. So. I started going to all their different events. Um, I applied to be part of the Global Real Estate Council. I actually went on a trade mission with them to Thailand. Um, wow. And that was an incredible trip. And I got to learn all about real estate in Thailand because Chicago, Nancy Sumimandi, uh, she is the has a strong connection to Thailand and she's part of Chicago Association of Realtors, former head of the Global Real Estate State Council, former head of the organization, um, uh, president, and uh, it was just incredible learning about that. So then I, when I came back, I got more involved in the council itself, and now I'm the chairman, and we lead different programs for education, networking. Uh, we will do another trade mission, uh, likely in 2023, if nothing crazy happens with COVID, um, but it is super cool, very interesting group of people. Yeah, it sounds really rewarding. And I, I was curious too, because uh, so, and I'm curious to get your opinion about this, because oftentimes when I hear about people from uh, outside of the United States uh, buying real estate, oftentimes it's in a, uh, from an investor's sort of objective. Um, and it doesn't always, of course, somebody right. moving here from another country, of course, that that counts too. Um, but um, how, uh, I'm curious about, did that, and again, you you were sort of in the investor space as well, working with developers and and sort of understanding that. But I'm curious, um, does that give you more exposure to understanding what foreign investors who are looking to to buy real estate in in the country uh, in you in the United States does that give you more experience and understanding about how to work with those clients and maybe what their objectives are? Absolutely, 
because you're you're exposed to their their needs, and it may be different than somebody who's just looking to buy the house. Um, they may be looking at the United States and several other countries at the same time. And you have to be able to understand what the differences, the nuances are, and the advantages to them of buying in the U.S. versus, say, buying something in um, Dominican Republic or in Canada and what the restrictions may be for them. And you have to be able to know what potential there is for financing. Um, you know, I started this other podcast called The Real Estate Diplomat, which is all about global real estate and also takes into global affairs. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it. But I be, through that podcast, somebody reached out to me who was interested in real estate in the Dominican Republic. And we got to season in Germany. Um, so, you know, we started speaking about all the different nuances of it and, you know, talking about different other potentials and trying to get him information on that requires you to go outside your comfort zone and find people who you can trust to be able to make that referral and make sure that they're going to get well taken care of. And, um, and through that, you get to learn more about other countries and you could speak about it. So you might be at a dinner party and somebody's talking about some country or whatever, and, and you happen to know a lot about it. I mean, that's, that's empowering. That is, that is really empowering. And I, I guess maybe in both of the topics we've been sort of chatting about was getting involved in podcasting, which was something that you did with essentially no experience or not a ton of sort of thought or foresight. It wasn't like a lifelong dream to have your own show. Um, and then also getting into global real estate, which actually was sort of a, a major passion of yours. And you've now been able to explore both of those through real estate, which which I think is, you know, with this industry and, and being an agent, which I think is particularly interesting. And you were saying, that especially with this global real estate, you wouldn't have had the time to to get involved with it had you been maybe in a different different profession or a different full time sort of you know traditional nine to five job. So I find that particularly interesting that you've got to explore uh, some of these additional sort of avenues of, of fulfillment uh, because maybe maybe because of now your schedule is more how you make it. A hundred percent. It it would never have happened if I had a traditional nine to five job or nine to six shop, because you just, you can't get out of the office and you can't go down there. Somebody's, you know, asking you, Hey, what are you doing? And it's with real estate. Yeah. I could, I could, okay. Maybe I'm doing a listing presentation for somebody at two o'clock in the afternoon and I've got showings from four to five or whatever it may be. And then I've got a Chicago council event at six or whatever. It, it, it allowed me to, to be able to, to go and have that flexibility. Now the pandemic has changed things in terms of when timing is and everything. And uh, I mean, with Zoom, it was so easy, but not nearly as fulfilling, but now things seem to be coming back together like, like they used to be, which is uh, a little overwhelming, but it's awesome to be able to see people and, and just physically and, and learn so much more. It's wonderful. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm enjoying it too. I had a meeting this morning with um, somebody who was thinking of joining our company. He was a brand new agent and he came in and I haven't had anybody physically come into the office uh, in a long time. Just a couple of people over the last two and a half years or so. It's everything else has been over Zoom, like you yeah. were saying. And, and I had to even think, and I'm sure everybody listening who's a practicing realtor um, will, will appreciate this is like, 
I went, he was here and I was like, oh, somebody's actually here. And I went and go, wait, am I supposed to shake hands? I kind of forgot what the protocol uh, or, or what the, maybe the, the most safe thing to do, of course, is not to shake hands, but I had to sort of fumble through it. Like you were saying, it could be a bit overwhelming because I had to think it through. Like I've never thought about shaking hands as a, as a challenge, as a potentially unsafe thing right now, of course we have to, um, so, and I'm sure every realtor, uh, I'm curious just because I'm not a practicing agent, when you meet clients now, are you shaking hands or what, what do most people seem to want to do? I'm shaking hands. I, you know, I have gone through so much anxiety of the pandemic, (laughs) uh, but I'm, I'm really trying to just shift and live um, because like going in October to San Diego to that conference um, definitely was anxiety provoking to be around so many people. Um, But it was nice to be there. It was nice to go to the dinner and hear you know, just people kind of pour their hearts out. I, I mean, it was really, really kind of uh, beautiful, but, um, you know, and then we had more COVID cases and now we do too, but I just need to get out there and, and see people. And I, and if they don't want to, sh- like, I, I, if somebody seems hesitant, I think I'll, I'll hold off and, um, you know, I'm washing my hands after too, but, sure. <laughs> but it is nice to shake a hand, to see people, to be there in person. And, you know, the real estate diplomat. I've talked to people who are all around the world and people in Chicago. I've had you know some conversations in person, um, but one of the re- I I'm not doing that show quite as much right now. I'm focusing more on inside the skev, and one of the reasons is is because I want to just sit down and have the conversation in person with the people, and it's it's nice. And you know this is great too. Um, what, you know we're remote right now, but um, it's it's nice to try to get back into that swing of things and and hopefully stay healthy. Yeah, it could not agree more. It's it's uh, it, it is nice, and it, and you're right though. There, I even have anxiety as well going into public events. Not not tremendous anxiety, but it's something that I I used to have zero anxiety, or very mm-hmm. little anxiety uh, about going into a public space with lots of people. But now, uh, you know, it's just I we we just took a flight uh, last week, and you didn't have to wear masks anymore. And we had been flying throughout the pandemic. Um, and we were always wearing masks. And so it's, it was like, oh, we can take our masks off. And then that felt weird. Um, yeah, you know, it's like you're so naked. It is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it just feels like you're doing something wrong. I felt like I was doing something wrong. Like, oh, this, right. this, yeah. Um, I well, mean, but, but even like with real estate, like throughout the whole time, I mean, I was showing properties, like even sure. at the start and it was, it was completely nerve wracking and nobody knew what to do, but it's just, I feel like we're, we're in a different space. We are. It's nice to start to go back to normal. And I'm going to, we're going to pause just for a moment so uh, we can um, talk about one of our sponsors. But before we do, I just want to, we always ask our guests a little peel back the curtain because I'm such, uh, I'm really calling myself out because we ask our guests to complete these these questionnaires so we can have some stories to talk about. And 95% of the time, maybe even 99% of the time, I never get to these. And so I absolutely want to. Um, so I'm making a point to say it out loud so that as soon as we come back from the break, we're going to get right back into some of your funny uh, real estate experiences. But before we do, I do want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor. Uh, it's actually one of our favorite companies in the real estate tech space which is follow-up boss. Now, after 
I've interviewed hundreds of top realtors all over the country for, for the show. Um, and actually the CRM that is used by more than any other of our guests, of course, follow up boss. And let's face it, following up is the key to taking your business to the next level. Now, follow up boss will help you drive more leads in less time and with less effort. Now, don't take my word for it. Robert Slack, who runs the number one team in the United States, uses follow up boss, and he has built a one and a half billion dollar business in just six years. Now, follow up boss integrates with over 250 other systems. So you can keep your current tools and lead sources. And here's the best part. They have a seven day a week support. So you'll get the help that you need when you need it. So few tech companies have weekend support. And of course, realtors work weekends. Now get this follow-up boss is so sure that you're going to love their CRM that for a limited time, they're offering keeping it real podcast listeners, a 30 day free trial. Now that's twice as much time as they give everybody else. So, oh yeah, no credit card required either. They're so confident that you're going to use, that you're going to continue to use their service that you don't even have to pay anything or even give them your payment information up front. But only if you visit this special URL, which is followupboss.com forward slash real. So followupboss.com forward slash real. Um, that's for your free 30-day trial. Follow up like a boss with follow up boss. And now we'll get back to our episode. Aaron, I am very excited to hear. First of all, I would also just like to say, I love the fact that you married your college sweetheart. Uh, mm -hmm. I only know one person that did that um, out of all the friends I had in college. And even today, 20 some years later, uh, we, it, it's still just such a cool thing. So I, I love you. You met your wife, I'm guessing down at, at uh, University of Illinois. Yeah, she was dating one of my best friends. <laughs> and I met her. I'm like, Oh, my God, I was like, I'm like, how that she's awesome. And then they broke up a couple months later. I had nothing to do with it. And then we started talking and it was like, wow, you know, thank you, Henry, for, um, for dating Stacy. And we've been together ever since and it worked out pretty well. And he ended up standing up at our wedding after a few years Aww. of, uh, of a little bit tense, uh, tenseness. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still, you stole his girl. Sure. Yeah. Um, no, but, no, I didn't. No, I know. I'm, I'm only, only being, being silly. I know. Um, no, I, but, but it, that is, I think that's such a cool, cool story. I, I, we, in my high school, we only, we have one couple that, that got together in high school and stayed together. Um, and so I, I don't have too many examples of that in my life. Um, so I appreciate, uh, I just think that's really cool. Um, yeah. but let's talk, let's talk about, um, cause I just love this story about an ad that you ran in, in the newspaper, uh, here, the, the local <laughs> paper here uh, is called the Chicago Tribune, very, uh, prominent paper in the country. Um, but can you talk a little bit about the experience that you had there? Yeah. So I, I put this ad out, I think it might've been 2015 or so, and it was on the front page of the real estate section on Sunday. Um, I thought, well, this could be a good opportunity to get my, my word out and advertise an open house. So I do this. And then someone I know takes a clipping of it and he says, you know, says something about it and posts it onto Facebook, like, you know, commenting on my hair. People comment on my hair that they, they love, like how full it is and... <laughs> I don't know. It's I have good hair, I guess. So then people started photoshopping it and they turned it into a series of, of movie covers. So I was in Greece. I was in Scarface. I was in Terminator 2. 
I was, I mean, all these different movies. It was uh, Howard Stern, Private Parts, who, by the way, is an inspiration for doing podcasting sure. for me. But um, I mean, it was just crazy. It was just this huge series. And it was one of the funniest things. Like people totally goofed on me and I, I absolutely love it. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. That That, that is funny. And um, that's, you know, whenever it's, it's, it's funny, there's, um, there's good versions of that where, where your friends sort of have some fun with you and send it on social media. And then there's the, Hey, I bought the Benchback ad and somebody is colored in my teeth, but so it looks yeah. like I have, you know, or I, they blackened one of my eyes and, uh, you know, so there's like the, the fun, cool, funny version that we all laugh at. And then there's the, Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> like right. just like I hope nobody that. does that to my billboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got a lot of threats about that. Oh, you did? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But so far, so good. Oh, that's great. Um, And and only because I just, it's so funny. We ask all of our guests to give us like, you know, an unusual experience and and, uh, real estate experience. And almost always it's like sexual. It's like, well, I walked in on somebody and they were having sex or, you know, they were by themselves having sex or with someone else. And, (laughs) and, and it's a lot of like, or I found some sex toys or it's, it's usually that. And so I stopped sort of even talking about those because I realized like that would be every show I'd be giving a basically the same story, but this one's pretty unique. Um, This one is not a sexual story. So I, I love it. But, uh, but as a guy, I can just, I could just appreciate, you know, the, the immaturity of us guys um, being able to handle this uh, or I, I shouldn't speak for you, but my immaturity, uh, it would definitely <laughs> yeah, be coming out. <laughs> but do you mind sharing the story of the, of the squatter that you walked in on? Well, I mean, the squatter is one thing the, the squatter was, so I had two stories. And I think the one that you're referencing actually was for an open house and I was preparing for an open house and I'm, you know, I always want to make sure all the lights are on, everything's clean. There's nothing out. I go into this bathroom, <laughs> there's a tampon, used tampon on the, the countertop on the vanity. Wow. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> what the hell do you do? <laughs> Just grabbed a bunch of toilet paper, wrapped it up and threw it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a dedication think- to the craft, I guess. <laughs> I think maybe women don't always appreciate that when us guys, if we ever come across that, which seems to be pretty rare, uh, I've asked other guys, um, it's like we almost look at it like it's a bomb that's about to go off and we have to defuse it. And we're like, we're like, not sure exactly what to do. (laughs) We're not sure exactly what we're looking at. But it was, it was, but it's scary. For some reason, it scares us. Oh, it's scary. And I have plenty of, I mean, Look, everyone who's listening to this is probably a realtor. You guys probably all have these crazy experiences. I mean, I've walked in on a squatter. Like, it's just, that was scary. I've seen other types of things over the years. But uh, that one, that one with the tampon, yeah, it st- sticks out. <laughs> when you walked in on a squatter, um, did you, was there a moment of, was there a safety concern as well? Like, oh, this yeah. could be a dangerous situation? Yeah, I... Uh... I'm going around with my clients and we walk into this house that I, I had shown like two or three times before to other people. And um, I knew nobody was living there and I walk in and it's got like this smell, like this smoke. And I'm like, I, I don't recognize this, but okay. So we go on, we're upstairs. It's a ranch house. Then we go down to the basement and I start to go turn on the lights because it was on the lockbox. And all of a sudden I see this little pop tart on the ground and there's mm. ants crawling all over it. It's disgusting. I'm like, what, what the hell's going on here? Then my client says, 
dude, there's a squatter. There's a squatter. She's in the, she's in the closet. I'm like, Oh my God. And this woman, she must've been like 20 pops oh. out and she's like, Oh, I, I'm just packing up. I'm just leaving. And I'm, and we look at each other like, huh? And we decide to just, we just turn around, we leave. And I call the other agent, the listing agent. And I'm like, you've got a problem yeah. <laughs> and goodbye. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's actually like, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting though. Cause, cause you think like as, as men, maybe we have a bit more confidence in our ability to handle the uncertainty of that situation. Um, certainly we don't have to deal with as much physical uncertainty as, as women do. Sure. To, to, again, I'm speaking generally, of course, not, not everyone's the same. Um, but, um, I always think like, gosh, women have all so much more danger headed their way, or at least possible potential danger. And I always think, you know, that could easily, that could have been a dangerous guy or mm -hmm. a dangerous woman too. Um, in that closet, you, you could have been a 90 pound woman or a hundred pound woman walking in there with her client. And, and it's, uh, it's something to always think about safety. And I know as guys, we don't maybe think about it quite as much as women do. Um, but it is something to really think about. Cause I think just about everybody's had some version of that story happen, right. Where it's like, yeah. Ooh, that could have been really bad. Well, you worry about it. You worry about it, you know, uh, open houses for sure. Um, you don't know who's coming in. You, I think it's important to let your spouse or somebody know where you are, what time you're going to be check in. Um, I always like to meet with new buyers um, first before I go show them properties. And I know that probably has cost me some business, but it's probably not the worst thing in the world. If somebody Wait, doesn't I, want just to meet curiosity, you first. I just want to ask you, um, just because I, I wouldn't have guessed this. And so Aaron just said, I, I meet with buyers first and maybe that's even cost me business. Just curious, why would that cost? Why, why do you think that's cost you business? I would, I wouldn't, as somebody who doesn't practice real estate, I wouldn't see that as a negative at all, but do, do some buyers just go, Oh, I don't want to do that. I just want to go see homes or what, or what's the, or were you sort of saying maybe they won't like your personality or, or what was, uh, no, I, thought. I think, you know, sometimes when people buy ads on different websites, people, there's you know, a misconception to the public potentially that they think that you're the listing agent and they're just requesting a showing. They just want to get right. in and see the house. Um, I mean, quite frankly, they may really have an agent and they're just doing stuff on their own. Who knows? Right. Um, so they call you and then you say, Hey, I'd like to meet with you first at my office or this or that, it may turn them off and be like, well, actually, let me just find the listing agent and call them or, or whatever it is. So I think that's where it potentially can cost you business. But I would say as I've gone on throughout my career, it probably hasn't, it's probably enhanced my business because what it's done is I set expectations. I learn about what the people want. We talk about agency. I have them sign a buyer representation agreement. And not everyone's comfortable with that. I get it. But I think it's the proper thing to do to set up the relationship. So then you have a successful transaction for everybody. Everyone's happier at the end of the day. So that's why I do it. I mean, if I was losing business left and right because of that, I wouldn't, I would strongly reconsider what I'm doing. But I think it's, it's best for the relationship. It's best for your business. It's best for your safety on and on and on. It's very much similar to a consultancy type yes. relationship, right? So if we think like, what do consultants do? They come in, they, in, they, they interview the client, they learn about what the person's challenges are, and then they come back with a solution. So it's really no different from what a consultant, a professional consultant does. Um, but I am, I am amazed at how often realtors don't maybe look at 
uh, the beginning of a relationship with a customer as in that sense of doing discovery, right? And that's basically right. what you're doing as, as attorneys would call it, right? Discovery. Um, and now it's so easy with Zoom. You know, I, I have yeah. a Calendly link. I have people set up their time. They want to meet at my office. They want to meet on Zoom. They want a phone call, whatever it's easier for them. Pick a time, boom. And it's like, it just sets them up to think like, oh, this is a professional I'm working with. It's so much better. Yeah, I, I love it. That is such a, a great tip for anyone, especially, and again, if you're buying leads. So so what Aaron was really saying about costing businesses, a lot of times the lead providers um, you know, will tell you, just schedule the showing. Even though it's not your listing, person wants to see this property, they've shown interest. Don't, don't take them to a Starbucks and get to know them um, or don't have them come to your office because that, that sort of stops them from what they want. Um, but, and I think maybe in generally speaking, that's not terrible advice for that sort of lead, but I love the idea of pushing somebody through a more professional sales funnel uh, or, or process, because ultimately I think that does, you're right. I think that does set you apart. Like you were saying, maybe they already have a, an agent or somebody they're talking to. And all of a sudden now they're with somebody who's sitting down and really getting to know them before going, I'm going to just open the door and let you walk in and see what, let, tell me what you, you, you know, you like it or you don't. Um, so I, I actually think that's a really, really strong point, but I, I, now I'm understanding what you were saying because you know, Zillow and, and those companies who sell leads will say, really, we, we encourage you not to do that. We want you just to set the appointment, mm -hmm. meet them at the property, and then you can have the, the sort of the, the meeting. But, but I love, I, I love that, that you do that because I just, I just think it's more professional. Um, so, uh, and, and the right, the right kind of client will really appreciate that. Probably the client you want to work with is the one that's going to be like, that's a good thing. Um, Absolutely. It, it is. And, and, it, and it pushes away people who may have, um, you know, spent a lot of time with you who aren't actually serious. You know, a lot of times I, I see on different um, Facebook pages with realtors and everyone's saying, oh, like, number one thing, you got to make sure they have a pre-approval letter. Um, yeah, it's important to make sure that they're qualified to be able to purchase. But I think the number one thing is have that initial conversation, see how you can help them, how you can be of value to them. Do they, do they need a lender to speak to? Do they have questions about this? Do they even know what the process is like? Are they from the United States? And are they familiar with, with how you buy property here? You don't know that until you actually start to have the conversation. I 100% agree. And I, because you work in the global space, as well as the sort of local space, um, I, uh, I, I just, um, wanted to give this piece of advice that I heard that I just realized um, when you're dealing with people who are of a, of a different, uh, possibly a, a different religion, different ethnicity, di different background, culturally, um, different race, even, um, of course, there's different traditions and customs with each sort of group of, of people, how we, you know, group people together, or how they identify as a group. And I was listening to someone speak just uh, a couple weeks ago, and they said, I had this little tip, because they work with a lot of international clients, they said, ask anyone who, who has a different you know, sort of set of traditions than you, um, if there are any important days in their calendar or during the course of the transaction that are either religious themed or maybe tied to their, you know, their country of origin or, or their, you know, whatever particular, you know, their predilections and, and knowing that, you know, certain religions and, and certain background and ethnicities have certain days that are considered holy days. And, and there's just, you know, things that we may not know unless we were part of that tradition. And so knowing that is like really helpful because you're like, well, we're not scheduling a showing on that day and we can't do the inspection on this day. Like 
that's something and I went, that is so simple and so brilliant. And I never thought about it. So I just wanted to share that. Um, it's a huge, great point. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, Aaron, Aaron is the podcast host of two shows and we'll mention his two shows. We have links to both of those in the show notes. The first one is called the real estate diplomat, which is about global real estate. So definitely check that out. And you can, uh, and, and then the second one is called inside the Skev, which is about Skevinston, which is uh, Skokie and Evanston, two suburbs that are side by side here in Chicago. And I encourage all of our, our audience to check out inside the Skevinston, not because you maybe from somewhere else in the country and you don't know or care about those two suburbs, that's not the reason I want you to listen. I want you to listen to see what Aaron has built for his local community and how it works. And then maybe even go duplicate that yourself in your own local community. So this is something that it is just a perfect example of what you can do. And it's a heck of a lot of fun to, to build up that brand. And I'm curious, does anyone else because Skevinston is kind of a known, a very known <laughs> term. Has, does anyone else have a Skevinston podcast as far as you know? Are you the first? Um, there was another uh, group that had a Skokie podcast called It's Skokie. And um, they did 50 episodes and I was on it and I had them on mine. Uh, we shared. And there's other people who have Evanston podcasts, um, you know, but um, not Skevinston. Skevinston's actually a part of Skokie that has an Evanston mailing address and shares the school district and whatnot. So it's a play on words, but no, but no one else who's competing in the Skevinston space with me. <laughs> well, and, and, and I, and, and I didn't even mean that as in a, in a joking way, although I know it sounds sort of silly. No, um, no, but it's a good question. Well, it's what's interesting is there's so much opportunity, right, to find a, a niche when it comes to podcasts in your community. You know, maybe there's a certain, you know, neighborhood in the community you work in that's that you're really passionate about or Aaron's, of course, passionate about his local community. Um, and and so and people who live in that Skevinston area are very passionate about that as well, because I, I think the, the if I remember correctly from what my friends told me, it's you get the benefits of. Evanston, um, sort of their own, uh, is, is it that they have their own like police and, and their own public no, works? You then... get Skokie, all Skokie services. Oh, I had um, it backwards. Yeah. 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 And, but you get the Evanston school district and you get the Evanston post office. So, so this is a very desirable thing for people who are looking in that area. And now Aaron has a podcast, not just talking about the benefits, but all the cool stuff going on in the area, all the local businesses, the local uh, political players. And you now um, have more exposure, of course, uh, in your real estate practice as a result. Absolutely. And if anyone wants to chat with me, I'm, I'm, ha I'm happy to be a, a resource uh, as well. So feel free to reach out to me. Well, thank Aaron. Thank you so much for being on our show. By the way, to learn about everything Aaron is up to, AaronMeslianski.com. I'm going to post a link to that also in our show notes. Um, and I will uh, I want everyone to check out. You can find his podcast there. You can see videos he's done. And of course, learn more about Aaron and his, his passions. Um, Aaron, we want to thank you for being on our show. Uh, you, this has been such a pleasure for me. And I'm really excited that that we have it. We had you on today and you really provided a lot of value for our audience. Before we, we sign you. off, I just want to ask everyone not only to go check out Aaron's two shows, please, please do, but also tell a friend about this podcast. Just think of one other agent that you 
you think would be um, would get a lot of value from listening to Aaron and send them a link. Easiest way to do that, just head them over, head send them over to our website, keepingitrealpod.com, or just have them pull up a podcast app, search for Keeping It Real, and hit that subscribe button. Well, Aaron, on behalf of our audience, we want to thank you. We know how busy you are with all your volunteer effort, and also want to thank you for all your volunteer effort for the real estate community. Um, you, you are somebody who truly does give back, and we didn't feature a ton of that on the show, but Aaron is just incredibly involved in the industry. Um, and, and also, um, of course, on behalf of Aaron and myself, we want to thank all of our listeners and our viewers for continuing to listen and support our show. And we will see everybody on the next episode. Well, thanks, Aaron. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. And thanks everyone for listening.